All right, all right, all right. Good morning. It's a good thing when the time is up, people are still standing and talking to each other. You love each other. So, all right, take your seats now. Sit down. Glad you're here today. My name is Daniel Grothy. And I was driving in this morning. I, um, I'm kind of a date guy, like birthdays, anniversaries, moments on the calendar. And I was driving in early this morning, about six, and I was like, wait. Today, I started working at New Life. I just finished my 17th year today. Today begins the 18th year of working at New Life. And I love this place, July 17th. I got a picture of it somewhere. I'm in my khaki pants with my collared shirt tucked in. I'm brushing my teeth. I've got hair on my head. We didn't have any children and I was just ready to just see what God was gonna do. And all these seasons of living life with you all God has been good to us, so thanks for having me. There's an there's a 85-year-old guy here at the church. Anytime I preach, I'll go out in the lobby, and he'll go, well, I guess we'll keep you around here another week. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for keeping me around here for a few weeks. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'll read these five verses. I'll pray. And then we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing in Philippians 3. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Uh, notice the juxtaposition. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And Paul continues saying, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, yes, and he pivots, I want to know participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, let us pray, Lord, we need you. Would you just collect a breath? Would you take a deep breath in the presence of the Lord? Relax into this space. And Lord, we say, if you don't speak to us, we've wasted our time. Lord, we are not here to be entertained. We're not here for a tricky talk. We're here because we believe that the living God speaks. And we ask you to do it all over again today. We ask you to organize us into your people and heal us today and uh, redeem us today and re restore us back to life. All the things that have siphoned off our energy, all the things that have distracted us, Lord, would you extract them from our lives? Lord, focus us today in your presence, we pray. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here today on the earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. Today, I'm going to talk to you about finding a way to hit the reset button. Finding a way to hit the reset button. Three weeks ago, we talked about developing a theology of play and that the joy of the Lord would be our strength and that children are uniquely qualified to show us the way into joy and we need to get our joy back in this moment. Last week, we talked about developing a theology of church we encourage you to come to church and to connect with one another and to contribute and to care for one another. Let's be the people of God with and for each other. So developing a theology of play, a theology of church. But today I wanna to talk about finding a way 
to hit the reset button. Why, why am I talking about this? Two reasons that are kind of provoking me to talk about this this week. First is I was in Alabama this week speaking at a pastor's conference. And a part of this conference, they were celebrating a longtime friend of mine who's been in ministry for 50 years. Steve Dixon has been pastoring in Fayetteville, Arkansas for 50 years, married to his wife, Cosette. She goes by Cozy, so Steve and Cozy. And we shared meals together and we were talking. And, and I've been in ministry 17 years, beginning 18, and they've been 50 years and I wanna be like them one day. So I took him to lunch and I said, okay, tell me, what do I need to know? And I was asking questions and he was telling me stories. And he was, he was I was looking at them married for 50 years, serving Jesus. They're still innocent and tender-hearted and kind. They have not been swept away into cynicism. They've not burned down the house that they grew up in. I'm talking about the spiritual house. A lot of times people have pain along the way and then they just throw the whole thing away. And here they are, joyful and kind and beautiful spirits, serving God's people and loving one another. I wanna be like that one day. And that's a short list of people that you know that have been doing it 50 years. So this week, what I heard from him is you've just got to find ways to hit the reset button along the way when you've experienced pain. So there's that. Steve Dixon's encouraged me. But the second reason is I think, any of you read that story in the gospels that happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story of the demoniac. Jesus is over on the, on the, the right side. He's over with all the insiders in, in, in Israel, but he gets on the boat and goes across the Sea of Galilee to the other side where those bad Gentiles are, which is to say Jesus is always washing ashore in all of our lives. Insiders and outsiders, people who've had airtight lives and people who've thrown it all away. Jesus is always coming to all of us and he steps off the boat in the region of the Gentiles on the other side and his first visitor is this man who is the Tasmanian devil. He just lost his mind. He's in his birthday suit, which is to say he's naked. <laughs> where I'm from, they say naked. And he's out there and he's foaming at the mouth. They chained him up in the tombs. He'd broken off the chains. And he, the first person that meets Jesus on the other side is this demoniac. And I think, I've been working with this and sort of journaling this through and I'll talk about it more later, but I'll just say this and move on. I think we are living in sort of a collective demoniac moment. Where our society is, we've just, I mean, we are, we're, we've lost our minds. And, and our, the, the news cycle is feeding it and we sell fear to people and it keeps people on edge. And, and, and I just think the church of Jesus Christ gets to be the people because of the work of Jesus that we get extracted from that. The chaos of the moment. And Jesus, what does he do? At the end of the demoniac story, it says, and there he was clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think Jesus has a peace be still for us today. So we need to find a way to hit the reset button in a society that has gone mad. Can you say amen? amen? Three things I wanna say. Yes, thanks mom, appreciate that. <clears throat> Three things I wanna say today about finding a way to hit the reset button. The first thing is do your best to let go of your past. Do your best. Early in the week as I was finishing up my notes, I, I wrote, the point was, let go of your past. And then I thought to myself through reflection, like, no, 
That, they might think that I think it's easy to just let go of your past, push a button, boom. Ah, it's easy, it's simple. It's not simple. Do your best. It, the, the Lord will give you grace to forgive those that have offended you. And then six months later, the memory comes back up and the enemy wants to sort of take back our hearts and take back that ground that we've ceded over to the Lord. And in that moment, what you do matters. You, you do your best to continue. It's an ongoing, active participation with the spirit to let go of our past. We have to find away to hit the reset button. Steve and Cozy, who I was with this week, how many times have they experienced pain in 50 years? How many moments, how many seasons have they watched people come and go and people accuse them of not being courageous pastors and, oh, you didn't tell us to vote for this person or you didn't tell us to do that or if you were a bold pastor, you would stand up and say this and here they've been just faithfully one foot in front of the other serving God's people and they've got scars over 50 years but you know what? Their souls are still bright and tender and why? He said to me, Daniel, bitterness and blame will block God's blessing in your life. He said, if you're gonna make it 50 years, bitterness and blame will block God's blessing. You just have to keep releasing it. And you keep have to speaking blessing over people. You keep have to speaking, good Lord. Hooked on phonics did not work for me. You have to keep releasing people to Jesus and blessing them and turning the other cheek and going the extra mile. He said, Daniel, bitterness and blame will destroy you. But if you'll just keep living before the Lord in forgiveness, you'll make it to the end. You gotta find ways to keep releasing your past. And I'm not saying this is easy. Some of you have been wounded significantly by the people who God sent to protect you. The most important people in your life who were supposed to stand guard over your life either abdicated their responsibility and allowed wounding to come or they actively inflicted it upon you. I'm not saying it's easy. Some of you, you've lost friends along the way that you thought you were gonna cross the finish line with. And the heartbreak, has anyone experienced that kind of heartbreak where you just thought, I never saw a moment where I didn't see our lives intertwined and yet here we are. You've wept tears at night, fallen asleep. Some of you have watched your children walk away and, and just the diff I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying we do have to do our best though to continue to release our past. If we're not careful, our primary identity becomes wrapped up in the worst thing that ever happened to us. And this is the devil's trick. To take these high point moments where there is wounding and where there is pain and where there is betrayal and where even when we have sinned and fallen short and walked away from the story and the enemy loves to freeze those moments in time and say to us, that's who you are. And you will never supersede the worst moment of your life. You will never rise above the most embarrassing moment of your life. And you'll never be able to get a clean reputation again. And you'll never experience joy again because your life can only go as high as the floor. It's the ceiling of those, those memories. You, you hit up against that thing and the enemy says you can only stop there. But in the name of Jesus, as we let go of our past, Jesus begins to give us a new identity and he begins to rename us and he begins to throw open the doors of the future for us. We have to do our best to let go of our past. J.K. Rowling, I don't know if you know this, she's sort of, she's sort of a big deal. She sold a couple thousand books, Harry Potter, and you know, she made a few dollars. And 
And she was flown over by Harvard University to come speak at their commencement. So you got all these world-class pedigreed 22-year-olds who are ready to go change the world. And they come from good stock and they've got the resumes that are gonna, their phone's gonna be ringing for the rest of their lives. And they say, JK, we want you to come over and speak to our graduates at commencement. And commencement just means a beginning. And she said to them, your life is just beginning. And so let me tell you some things that I think you need to know to carry forward into life. And she said to them one thing that just jumped out off the page. She said, there is an expiration date on blaming your parents. She wasn't minimizing if there's been pain. She wasn't saying, oh, whatever, that didn't happen or that doesn't matter, suck it up. And she didn't say that. But she did say there is an expiration date, and the, the, the quote goes on, there's an expiration date on blaming your parents for steering you in the wrong direction. The moment you are old enough to take the wheel, responsibility lies with you. And we act as if we are just victims of what has happened to us, and very, t- very often we have been victims, but at some point along the way, the Holy Spirit will give you agency. We will not have to stay stuck in that moment. We will not have to be defined by that moment. That won't be the truest thing about us. Yes, it did happen, and yes, it will always be a part of our story, but at some point, the Holy Spirit will give us agency to stand back up and to hear the call into the future, like, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, let's go. There's an expiration date on letting these things define us. And at some point it's time for us to say either God can do something greater than those worst things or we're just stuck. And we are not stuck. Frederick Beekner, a great Christian writer, he's 91, 92 years old, a legend. Anything you can get your hands on that he's written, I would recommend it. I was rereading a book of his this week and he said, we're often at war with the people we love the best. We often engage with wars with no particular goal in sight, but rather for the sort of dark pleasure of fighting a war between husbands and wives, between parents and children, wars between friends. In these aggressive wars and defensive wars, we all, I think, to some degree fight to survive. We camouflage ourselves very often in ways that don't suggest we are indeed really warring at all. But at the end of the day, and here's here's what he encourages us to do, and I'd encourage you to do this as you lay your head on the pillow tonight. At the end of the day, as you look back over your wars, ask yourselves these questions. How did your wars go today? Who were you fighting today? How did they work out? Did you deliver the knockout blow? Was it worth it? Were you knocked out? What does winning a war with somebody even mean? What does losing a war with somebody mean? And again, was it worth it? Like there's at some point we've got to go, I am done with getting tangled up with the toxicity and the animosity and the animus and all of that negative stuff. The enemy would love us to get wound about these moments of pain. And at some point we have to let ourselves be extracted and untangled. And we go, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to let go of my past. And I bless and I bless and I bless. And even when it hurts like hell, I bless. And even when it costs me everything, I bless. And even if I climb a hill and it kills me, I bless. Because this is what the people of Jesus Christ do. You have to find a way to let go of your past. But I've just been talking primarily about the negative aspects of our past. But can't you just acknowledge with me that sometimes success can be incredibly dangerous? 
You ever been that, been around that guy at a dinner party who, oh, he's just reliving his junior high basketball games. You know, like, oh, I had 17 points and eight boards and I was balling on him. I was posting up. I was unstoppable. You kept, you know, like, bro, do you need a trophy? You're 63 years old. Get over it. They didn't even have a three point line. Who cares? Like the the successes of our past. Paul is one of the most successful on paper, right? Before Jesus Christ, any room Paul walked into, he was a baller. He was the guy reading and writing and speaking in three different languages of the day. Any room he walked into, his resume rose above everybody else. Everyone was deferring to him at dinner parties and he's sitting at the head of the table, but he's not paying the bill. Paul is a baller. And what does he say in this moment? He says, put no confidence in the flesh. He said, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, we all know what my resume looks like. Paul is is reflecting back on all of the great moments and all of the respect he's been given by the world. He said, I've got reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I don't know if you know this, I'm sort of a big deal. My apartment smells of rich mahogany and I have many leather bound books. This is what Paul is saying. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day like a Jew, just a true Jew of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which they're legends. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee. He goes on to say, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church of Jesus. As for righteousness based on the law, human effort, faultless. Paul said, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it leaves you holding the bag. It leaves you having to be in charge. It leaves you having to fight for your own rights. As I said last week, if you put your hands on the crown to get it, you have to keep your hands on the crown to keep it. And Paul goes, just, it doesn't work to live that way. He said, I've been stupid and I've been successful and either one of them can be a trap. He said, don't put any confidence in the flesh. And he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And today there's an invitation to lose some of the negativity of the past. And there's also an invitation to lose your resume and to lose your stature and to just humble yourself and say, there's only one name. We sang it earlier. There's only one name in heaven and on earth that deserves glory and honor and praise. And it is not mine. Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul says, you gotta be willing to lose the bad stuff and you gotta be willing to lose the good stuff. If you're gonna hit the reset button in your life today, you've got to do what you can to let go of the past. The second thing, you've gotta refocus on your assignment. Refocus on your assignment. Paul is writing most of his letters now. Now that he's decided to follow Jesus, it's gotten hard for him. He's gone to prison multiple times. He's been shipwrecked multiple times. He's been bitten by snakes. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been buried in dungeons. Paul, it's cost him to follow Jesus. It's been painful. And what does he say in this moment? He, he, he goes, look, I'm I haven't obtained it all, I haven't, I haven't arrived. He said, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press 
on, I press on, I press on. Paul refocuses in this moment on his assignment. He doesn't mail it in. He doesn't circle up the wagons. He doesn't play it safe. If anyone could have said, look, it's been too traumatic. I'm just gonna sort of ride the wave into the future, uh, but I'm not gonna really work at it. Have you ever gotten so proficient at your craft that you realize you could actually coast for the next 15 years? And Paul says, look, I've worked hard and I've done a lot, but I'm not gonna coast, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Jesus, it's time to focus, to refocus on your assignment. I was at the gym early this morning and got out of the pool and I was getting ready to go in and get cleaned up for church and this guy goes, Daniel. And I turned and I saw this new lifer, Mr. Kyle. And Kyle was, we, we started chatting and he said, tomorrow we're doing my dad's funeral at New Life. And I said, really, Kyle, tell me what his name was. And he tells me his name. I said, how old was he? He said, he would have been 88 on Christmas. And I said, what did he do for work? And he said, he was 24 years in the United States Air Force and he was decorated and he loved serving his country. He was a proud man, he's got his flag up and you know, like worked really hard for his nation. And then when he retired, he served for 35 years working with the Gideons, getting free Bibles all over the globe in hospitals and hotel rooms and in prisons and in school, anywhere people needed scriptures. This man spent his latter years giving his strength and giving his energy and giving his money to get the word of God to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, that's a man of God. Can we just honor Kyle's dad who we're gonna remember here tomorrow? But when Kyle was standing next to the pool with me talking about his dad, I saw two things. I saw a really proud son, Kyle must be 60. I saw a really proud son and rightfully so, but you know what I also saw? I saw a man who's now having to make decisions. And I saw a 60 year old refocusing on his assignment because this is what happens when you watch a beautiful life blaze in front of you. A beautiful life provokes you to ask questions. A beautiful life provokes you to make decisions. And here Kyle was, and he's, he's probably done his working years and could retire if he wants, but Kyle, in this moment, talking about the beauty of his dad's life was refocusing on his assignment. He had come to a fork in the road and he's saying, you know what, I watched my dad do it and now it's my turn. I press on, I press on, I press on. It's time for me to sign back up. And all of us get to sign back up. You know someone else who could have quit? I want to show you this picture. Nelson Mandela. His first 44 years of life in South Africa, he was an anti-apartheid antagonist pushing against the regime, saying, look, we will have equality and we will, we're all made in God's image and you will not send us out to the townships and lock us in poverty. We will have equality. And this man pushed and he pushed And he pushed until at 44 years old, they arrested him and put him in jail on Robben Island. Sent him out to the island. Shut up. The day before social media, there were no, he just got sent away. And from 44 to 71 years old, 
27 years he was in that prison and you know what he could have shut down he could have gotten bitter and and he could have blamed and it would have blocked God's blessing but what did he do in that 27 years he prepared and he prayed and he refocused and he signed back up and finally at 71 years old after 27 years of wrongful imprisonment they released Nelson Mandela and what does he do he comes out and he says there will be equality and we are all made in the image of God and poverty will not be the final word for my people and at 71 he rose up he could have crumbled how many of you are 44 to 71 in that age range raise your hand so much of this room imagine your life getting stripped from you and your freedom getting stripped from you for you just standing up for the right thing and he could have just absolutely collapsed into a a, a horrible human being and the enemy would have loved for Nelson Mandela to to toxify in that prison cell And after 27 years, he came racing out of that place. And for the next 24 years of his life till 95, he became the first president of the Republic of South Africa. He changed the world. And we we honor and revere him today, not because it was easy, but because when he had a moment of decision, this is a man who decided to refocus on his assignment. I will not, I I will, uh, forgetting what is behind, I press on. Forgetting what is behind, I take hold of. Forgetting what is behind, God has more in my future. Forgetting what is behind, pain does not have to be wasted. And this man came out of a prison and he changed the continent and he changed the world. Friends, it's time to refocus on our assignments. Some of you, some of you feel like life has been done to you. You've been crushed. You've been abandoned. You've been betrayed. You're at a fork in the road. You can turn this way and no one would blame you into bitterness and to blame. Steve Dixon would tell you that it'll block God's blessing in your life. But you can be the better person and you can let the spirit of Jesus wash you and flush all of that out of your system. And you can go, I'm not pressing on because it's easy. I'm pressing on because it's true. I'm pressing on because it's worth it. I'm pressing on because God knows what to do in and through my pain. I'm pressing on because there are other people who've experienced pain who need to hear my story. Friends, you have a decision. Either you shut down or you refocus on your assignment. Please make the right decision today. Hit the reset button and refocus in this moment. The third thing I want you to see, if you're going to find the reset button, is you have to let hope for the future rise in you. Hope for the future. Why do Christians talk about hope? Is this some sort of plastic, you know, hallmark hope? Put up a little magnet on your fridge for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and hope. Like, are Christians just kind of faking it until Jesus returns? Or do we have this deep abiding hope that burns in our souls? Like, what is this thing about hope? We, we, we Christians are people of hope because the very worst thing that could ever happen on planet Earth happened, and it happened to the Son of God himself. Jesus Christ was crucified on a Friday night outside the city gates and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and all of his disciples fled and they denied that they even knew him and they ran back to Galilee and they went back to their fishing all to, all, all to safety and to comfort and to everything that they knew and they thought this was the truest story and then it stopped until it didn't. 
On Sunday morning, they went to his tomb to venerate him and to cover him with spices and to have just a nice little last prayer. And the the stone is rolled away and he's gone. And the angel says, what are you doing here looking for the living among the dead? He went back to Galilee, just like he said, now get your booties back, go. And they said, what? And they went back to Galilee and they found him there. And Jesus Christ just goes to the countryside and he's healing the sick and he's raising the dead and he's laying hands on people. And you see that the life of God cannot finally be stopped by death on this planet earth. Jesus Christ went to the grave and yes, he suffered it, but he did not stop there so that the worst thing is not the last thing. The last thing is resurrection life. And so we Christians are people of hope because Jesus Christ was dead and then he wasn't. And then he said, if you believe in me, even though you die, you will yet live. And so Jesus can raise up your broken friendships and Jesus can raise up your children and Jesus can raise up your business and Jesus can raise up your friendships and and relationships that are on the brink. If God raised Jesus, then we will always be people of hope. Church, today is a time to pivot from looking back at the past and those high points that the enemy wants to mark as our truest identity, those high points of pain and and betrayal. And it's a moment where we go, yes, those happened. And yes, those broke my heart. And yes, I'm working to process them through and to even let them be in my life. But now today, because of what God did with Jesus, I am pivoting toward a future of hope. Today is a day of hope on Friday night. My sister Helen right here, she came up to me before the service and Helen has experienced so much pain in her life. Like so many tears. One of our congregants is a doctor and he was seeing her in his practice, being a man of God and she just breaks down, tells the story and he goes, you know, there's hope for you. And I know his name. And she shows up at church the Sunday after Easter for the first time, doesn't know this story, doesn't know what's going on. Why are these people dancing and shouting and clapping? And she sobs through the service, like she's sobbing right now. And she comes back the next week and she sobs through the service. And the spirit is purging and healing and bringing life, addressing the wounds of the past. And there are many and they are real and we would never never minimize that. But somehow, someway, she discovers that in the presence of the Lord, there is this like deep washing work of renewal. And she came up to me this last Friday night before the service and she hugged me and she said, will there ever be a day when the tears stop? I said, Helen, let me get my Bible. Hang on one second. I got my Bible. I opened up to Revelation 21. And I said, you know what the end of the story looks like, Helen? I said, and then I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city coming down out of heaven from God as a bride beautifully adorned for her bridegroom. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw that God came down and I heard this voice saying, and now the dwelling place of God will be with his people and he will be their God and they will be his people. And in the end, there will be no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more tears and no more death for the old order of things has passed away. And I said, Helen, there will be an end to the tears. And she sobbed and I sobbed and we're holding each other. And I said, you know, there will be no more tears. That's worth crying about, (laughs) you know, like those are good holy tears right there. 
friends, we are people of hope, not because we sort of hallmark ourselves to death and we go, oh, we're blessed and highly favored. And oh, everything's gonna be awesome. It's not gonna be awesome. In the end, Jesus Christ will return and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are left and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Write these things down and encourage each other with these words, says Paul. Friends, we are people of hope. And if we don't have hope, we should stop today. We shouldn't ever come to this building again if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. We should quit wasting our time if God didn't raise his son up. But if he raised his son up, there's a future for all of us. Friends, we are people of hope. Can you say amen? Stand with me, church. I feel like preaching today. <laughs> Friends, we're gonna take a moment here. The band's gonna come and we're gonna worship and we're gonna receive communion, but we need to do business with God right here. We need to create a little pocket of a prayer meeting right here. And I wanna put these three things back up in front of you and ask us to just walk one by one through each. Do your best to let go of your past. Some of you say, you know, I would like to be ready to forgive them today. But I think the best I can do is just ask the Lord to soften my heart. I'll start there today. Start there. No shame. We will not twist your arm and manipulate you into being ready if you're not ready. Just say, come Holy Spirit and soften my heart. Whatever you need to do today to do business with God, to address and to name and to be honest about your past, you can do that. Do your best to keep your past in the presence of the Lord and to let him deal with it. So right now, let's do that. Let's just take step number one. Would you close your eyes and would you open your heart? And maybe some of you are ready to sort of quietly call some names in the presence of the Lord, to ask him to be good to them. You want to know how to change the world? Bless those that curse you. You want to know how the devil is defeated? We lay down our bitterness. We lay down our blame. We don't have to win and other people lose. And so Lord, right now we pray that you'd be good to all those people. Would you bless them? Would you heal them? Would you comfort them? Oh, it hurts. It hurts to pray it sometimes, but that's how you get healed. Would you be as merciful to them as you have been to us? Would you be as generous to them as you have been to us? Would you forgive them as you have forgiven us? And Lord, we just turn that back over to you today. And we say it's yours. Second thing. Refocus on your assignment. Some of you are 20 years old and you need to refocus on your assignment. You're, you're maybe just getting ready to graduate college or some of you are getting ready to go into high school and you need to refocus in this moment. Some of you are 75 and you thought my greatest years have been stolen and I, you, know, you, you feel that sort of Nelson Mandela, I lost my years of strength. You can still do something with it. Would you refocus on your assignment right now? Lord, we ask you, at this fork in the road that we all come to, that we would make the right decision. 
We forget what is behind and we press on. We press on. We press on. Some of you need to pick up the phone this week and call somebody and that's the way you press on. Some of you need to get back out in the city and go serve in the hospitals or go serve in elder care facilities or go sign back up for the school board. Whatever it is, you need to refocus. You press on. Lord, make us the people that press on. In difficult relationships where you could quit, where you could mail it in, where you could shut down, Lord, give us the grace to press on and to take one next step in the right direction. Third thing is let hope for the future rise in you today. And some of you have been so bludgeoned by pain. And you don't even conceptualize being able to have hope again. That's the Holy Spirit's work. It's a miracle. It's something that's done in us. It's something that's done for us. It's an outside work. God raised Jesus and everything else is possible. And so all you do today is you just open yourself up to receive hope. I'm willing to receive it. Lord, you know where to get me. And so Lord, I pray, make us a people of hope. Come on church, let's pray. Lord, wake us up tomorrow with a bounce in our step. Give us focus toward the future. Help us to be the people that step out into the Pikes Peak region with hope. As people come into your offices tomorrow that are heartbroken, I pray that you would be an ambassador and a minister of hope. As you're out on the job selling homes or doing whatever God has called you to do and you see the hopelessness, I pray that you would step into that space with the proclamation of hope. So Lord, make us the people of hope. And Lord, we're asking in this time when the world is losing its mind, that you'd give us the grace to hit the reset button. Do it today, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. We're gonna sing this song. I've seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. And so let's stir this up by faith right now. Let's pivot toward the future. Let's press on as we worship and then we'll receive communion. Come on church.
never failed me. You get your communion elements. Get your communion elements and be ready to receive. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he knew that we would wobble. He knew that we would quit. He knew that we would be afraid. He knows Judas has already got 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. He's going to go out. He knew, he knew Peter was going to go out and deny him. He told him at dinner. And Jesus doesn't seem to be bothered by the wobble. What does he do? He says, look, I have made provision for it. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to feed you. And when you're stupid, you can come on back home and you'll find a cup of wine of forgiveness ready for you. Church, God is not mad. <laughs> God is not mad at you. Jesus on the night he's betrayed takes bread and says, this is my body and it's broken for you. And every time you do this, you remember that. So today, friends, Jesus will feed you. He'll strengthen you. He'll nourish you. He'll stand you back up. He knows what's happened, and he knows what he has in front of you. So eat up, friends. Today, you may receive the broken body from Jesus. You've been made whole. On that same night, he took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. Jesus says, you want to know pain? You think you know pain? I know pain. It's given in my blood. It's going to cost me everything. And it's given for the remission of your sins. All of the stupid stuff, all of the waywardness, all of the moments where we blew it up where we walked away, Jesus goes, I have covered that. It's given for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you do this, don't you dare forget. I am for you, friends. Today is a new day. Today is the holy reset button, and Jesus pushed it. Forgiveness of sins has been made available. You may drink of the forgiveness that Jesus has made available to you. promise still stands great is your faith come on church your faith
blessing of God. As you go from here, you're gonna go out different. We come in one way to the presence of the Lord. We leave renewed and strengthened with hope for the future. So I pray today, may the Lord our God bless you. May he bless you, may he bless you, may he bless you in your work, in your life, in your health, in your relationships, in your neighborhood, everywhere you go. May he bless you in your body and in your mind and in your sleep at night. May the Lord our God bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And I pray that he would grant you peace today. Shalom, shalom, shalom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? Real quick, before you move, two things. Our prayer team's coming down. If you have any prayer needs, we'd love to agree with you. And if you're new, come see us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.